1: The premier podcast for all things Penn State football.
0: Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every
1: aspect of your program.
0: It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonagall.
1: All right, Penn State fans, it's Blue White Breakdown Podcast Time. Johnny McGonagall and Bob Flounders here. We're taping this on a Monday afternoon. It is a squunched up week for Penn State football. They're playing Thursday night at Purdue, Fox game, eight o'clock kick. So everything kind of got bumped up a day or two on James Franklin's very meticulous schedule. But uh, I'm excited to have Johnny do these for us. We're gonna we'll probably have them for you guys on most Tuesdays reacting to James Franklin's news conference today. Though Johnny, it was a it was at eleven fifteen a.m. Monday news conference. Your first. Penn State in-season James Franklin news conference in a couple of years, like I want to say three or four years, but it was a doozy, John. Penn State fans know he doesn't say much, typically, during these press conferences, but late in his little news conference, he he revealed on his own without prompting quite the depth chart gem. So uh, why don't you take it away and let the fans know what's going on if they haven't heard about it already?
0: Yeah, Bob, I was uh, I was used to Monday press conferences uh, with Pat Narduzzi, and now I get a Monday press conference with James Franklin. Both coaches don't like saying anything or don't like giving any information away, but a really interesting nugget was that Drew Aller is the backup quarterback, at least against Purdue. He said, you know, it's a fluid situation you know, between, you know, Christian Bayou." And uh, about Prabola obviously, also, you know, in competition there, uh, really the two guys being CV and Drew Aller, uh, it's gonna be a week by week deal. But yeah, he is the backup quarterback behind Sean Clifford. So if something happens to Sean Clifford in the opener against Boilermakers, it's the five star true freshman, uh, not Vayu, which, look, I'm a little surprised about it. I think you're surprised about it, too. I mean, I think it, there's a general sense of surprise or, sh- you know, I don't know if shock or I don't know if whichever, uh, you know, adjective you want to use there, Bob, but I don't know, you know, they, came in, played well against Rutgers last year and obviously has a, a leg up in terms of experience with Mike Yersich's offense, but Aller, you know, had, had impressed, you know, he enrolled in January and was there for spring ball, which, you know, obviously helps.
1: You know, I had about three different thoughts once I had actually, my jaw, like, uh, I picked it up off of the Beaver stadium, like, you know, media center floor, because I was, Penn State fans, no, he just does not reveal much, and especially when it comes to quarterbacks. A couple of things just jump out to me. I just wonder, Johnny, because he doesn't talk about injuries, I wonder if Christian's 100%, um, but let's assume for this discussion that he is 100%, right? You could try and make an argument, well, he's just trying to—he's trying to keep the five-star happy. Well, we're living in the transfer portal age, they like all three quarterbacks, but You know, getting a five star on campus is not always the easiest thing to do at Penn State. There's only a couple of them in every class. They're trying to make them happy. But you know what? I actually shot that one down by myself because this is the opener. And, you know, you name him the number two. Sean Clifford has had injury issues at Penn State. If he gets hurt, this isn't just for show. I mean, Drew Aller's going to be the guy. So they must like him enough. And They must have seen enough. This is not something that is, hey, we're trying to b- boost his confidence and keep him happy. They're 11 and 11 in the last two years. They would not just do this to try and keep him happy. They, they must either have a real need for Drew to be the number two guy or there might be something uh, going on with Christian. But I, I am very surprised. Yeah, look, the, the whole five star, keep him
0: happy, transfer portal, that line of thinking. That was the first thing that popped in my head, too but I do agree with you and that. And I kind of came to that conclusion too, as I was, as I was writing the story up, I, you know, my, you know, the wheels are turning and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, this is, this is a big 10 opener on the road. And when James Franklin has said how many times, how many, you know, openers in the big 10 that they've had on the road so far, this is a big game, right? I mean, this is not a, not gonna be a cakewalk by any means. I mean, you look at what that you know, Purdue has opposite them and Aiden O'Connell in that passing offense. I mean, they, they can score some points. So if Sean Clifford goes down, you got to be able to keep up with that. And they're not going to make a statement just to make a statement to your five star kid. Like, hey, yeah, you know, let, let's let's appease him real quick. No, they they need a guy to be ready. And we saw what happened at Iowa last year, right? If Sean Clifford goes down, they you need someone to be ready. And they feel confident that Drew Aller is that guy, uh, which, look, that's big for him. And I think even moving forward past this week, uh, if he remains the number two guy uh, on that depth chart, you're going to he's going to have more reps in practice, more work with the number two team, which I think is big going into 2023 and even beyond that. Right. Because he is your he is what you want to be. He's your future. Right. Like you want him to be your future. And so. It, I, it's a big development for him and for the Penn State program as a whole.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think we're on the same page with this. Let's get to some more takeaways. Uh, James, I, I, I jotted down a bunch of notes. What was maybe something else that really stood out to you that James uh, said? Because he was, you know, he was asked, you know, probably 20 questions or close to it. And not all of them were, and we use a recruiting term. They weren't all five-star answers, Johnny. But there were a couple, I thought, significant comments from James. So where would you want to start? Honestly, it even starts earlier than than James because we talked to Sean Clifford uh, Monday
0: morning, an hour or two before James Franklin. I asked I asked Sean about the wide receiver depth, and he had mentioned Trey you know, Harrison, Trey Wallace as a guy who's been working in with the ones. Uh, he also mentioned Malik Miega as well as a guy who uh, has been figuring in there behind Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert, Smith, and Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, and then James Franklin was asked about that wide receiver group, and he also mentioned Wallace as a guy you know who has been standing out a redshirt freshman who you know, really could see snaps and really should see snaps against Purdue. They're not just going to run with those top three guys. They're going to be tapping them in and getting these guys up more reps. So I think Trey Wallace as a guy who you know, could step up and see, you know, increase snaps, uh, you know, keep an eye on him on
1: Thursday night. I want to get to two of them. Sometimes James, even before you get to ask him a question in his preamble, I guess we could call it a preamble. I wasn't good uh, at, I don't know if it was history. In, uh, it's like a
0: soliloquy.
1: Yeah, yeah. His little his little uh, intro where he talks about the other team and some things people who stood out and and again, like he doesn't usually talk specifics about schemes and stuff. But when he does, like I always pay attention because he doesn't just do it. Uh, he he's he's been thinking about it for him to actually blurt it out. So I was not aware of this, but I don't see a lot of Purdue because I'm always watching Penn State, but. He said, "You know what? He was talking about the Purdue defense, and they are not scared, Johnny, to play cover zero. And whenever I hear that term, that is a boom or bust coverage. You got to have some stones to play a lot of cover zero, Penn State fans. That just means, you know, when against the spread offense, they're going to cover you man to man. They're all going to be at the line of scrimmage. There's no deep help, and there's a couple ways if you're Penn State." you can attack that. But if they see a lot of cover zero on Thursday night, Penn State's going to have a chance to make some big plays. They, they actually created some big plays last year uh, in the second half against Wisconsin, uh, and that's a, that's a much better defense than Purdue. But Purdue is not known for defense, and if they're going to play cover zero uh, and James made it sound like they, they're getting ready for it, they've been getting ready, getting ready for it all season, there's going to be some chances for Penn State to, to strike quickly.
0: And not only that, though, yeah, you have the opportunity to hit deep with a guy like Mitchell Tinsley uh, coming in from Western Kentucky. He's a prime example of a a player who could hit on one or two of those plays. But Cover Zero also, that stresses your offensive line. And you look at the the guys who are in front of Sean Clifford, Juice Scruggs at center. Uh, You know, he's a stabilizing force, you would hope, and Caden Wallace coming back as a starter at right tackle. But you've got new guys in there, you've got fresh faces, and the offensive line has been a point of, you know, it's been a liability really under James Franklin you know, really his entire tenure. Uh, and so that's why he hasn't been hyping up this group, you know, throughout the off season has been saying, you know, we'll let their play speak for the, you know, for itself essentially. Uh, and if you're going up against a team that, you know, when you're running cover zero, when you're pressuring the quarterback, when you're leaving yourself susceptible on the back end, you're, you're, you're really going all out on the front end of it in, in trenches and getting after it in the backfield. So that's going to be a point of contention. I think,
1: uh, is the offensive line an early test uh, for that group? I think that James Franklin feels really good about this matchup because I think what he thinks his perceived strengths are this year on offense might cause Purdue some problems because when he was talking about the run game uh, struggles last year, it came up over and over. Yeah, they didn't commit to the run, but they also had runners who couldn't make anyone miss. Kivon Lee is a big horse of a runner, 235 pounds, not a nimble guy. Noah Cain, even when he was healthy a couple years ago, not a nimble guy. For whatever reason, Devin Ford was supposed to be a nimble guy. It has not showed up, and he's now in his fourth year. Johnny, all I've heard about from James Franklin this offseason are those two January enrollee running backs. uh, Nick Singleton, we heard heard a lot from James Franklin on Catron Allen today, but without fail when he talks about them and he praises them. And it's not just him. It's their ability to break tackles and their ability, even Kate Allen, to make people miss in the hole. Even when the offensive line doesn't get everything blocked, if they got to make one guy miss or they got to run over one guy, he is convinced they're the guys to do it. And you talked about cover zero. So even if the offensive line has its hands full and they can't get everyone blocked, Penn State may finally have not one but two runners who can generate some big plays, and that is when there's somebody waiting for them in the hole.
0: Yeah, and you don't have to look far to find you know people hyping up Nick Singleton and Catron Fat Man Allen is you know his nickname. You don't have to look far. You know, like we mentioned, James Franklin today talked a lot about that. We talked to Jay Juan Sider, the running backs coach, last week about Nick Singleton and his home run hitting ability. And you know, Sider said it makes a running back coach look pretty good when you've got a guy that can go 95 on any play. Uh, and, and he was saying even in, in, look, you know, the spread offenses these days, you as a running back, you know, you think sometimes these holes are going to be massive. When in reality, he said for these two freshmen, the, the holes that the offensive line opens up doesn't have to be that big with how quickly they hit it. And, and they'll run through you and around you and, you know, the speed to break away, especially with Singleton. And so, uh, yeah, there, I think there's going to be opportunities in the run game, too, not just in the pass game for these two freshmen, then Kevon Lee as well. Do you think Kevon Lee ultimately takes the first snap? I feel like he does, and then obviously the freshman will get worked in.
1: Yeah, with Sider, I mean, he's, so he had a really good running back room in 2019. It was, I mean, Journey, Journey Brown was actually the fourth guy, I think, at the start of the season, and he was the best guy by the end of the year, but he had the, he had the medical issue that cost him the rest of his career. He's going to be okay, but they love Noah Kane. They love Devin Ford. They had Ricky Slade, who was in his second year. He was a five-star recruit. What he did then and what he did last year is, I don't know if they were trying to keep guys happy, but they played, he wants to play three, right? So it's pretty clear this year that Devin Ford is actually the fourth guy. It's, it's going to be some combination of Kevon Lee. It's going to be, you know, it's going to, it's going to be the two freshmen, Singleton and K-Tron Allen. And typically what, what Sider has done is he's given the starter two series, then he's given the number two guy two series, then he's given the third back one series, And then they kind of look and see what they think they have and how the thing's going and how they're blocking it. And then they kind of adjust from there. But I I would imagine Lee is probably going to start. I don't think they're going to wait too long to get Singleton in the game. But boy, Johnny, I think Singleton is the real deal. I really do. But I think Penn State feels like they got a four-star in Catron Allen. But I think they feel even better that he's even better than just maybe a four-star because – Franklin basically said he was the star of August camp and everyone considers him to be just a power runner, but he's got a lot more to his game. He's actually smaller than Nick Singleton if you look at the depth chart. So I'm very anxious to see this running game, this offensive line and those two freshman runners. But I I do think you're going to see three runners. But if the game's close, eventually you got to settle on one, maybe two guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we talked earlier about
0: how you don't name Drew Aller, the backup quarterback, just you know to appease a five star guy well you you don't you know hand it off to three or four backs just to do it just to make them happy especially you know in an opener against a big 10 team you know yeah you'll you'll get those three guys we talked about really worked in early but then at some point you got to settle on one guy and that's just, that's a long term thing too you you would hope that to to have one guy emerge and really force you to make a decision but in that game thursday night i mean if nick singleton is carrying the rock like crazy or Catron Allen or, you know, Kevon Lee, if he's doing the job for you, you got to settle in and, and, and really ride that hot hand because uh, this, is, this is not a Purdue team you want to mess around with.
1: This is the Blue White Breakdown.
0: Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth.
1: We're talking a lot about Penn State's offense here on the Blue White Breakdown podcast. It's Purdue Week. Johnny McGonigal and Bob Flanders. Johnny, let's, there was, I thought there was one interesting uh, aspect of the Penn State defense and uh, their Purdue offense. I know that you actually asked the question about that a little bit later, but before we get to what you asked James, he was asked about you know why Jeff Braum is is every year They're not necessarily a program that lands a lot of blue-chip skill position guys. I mean, But he is clearly a great offensive mind. And every year, he finds a quarterback that he can win with. And by the end of the year, he's got amazing stats. And they always have a couple of wideouts that play in the NFL. I know there's a couple. Rondell Moore is one. David Bell from last year is another. The perception is that they were a little bit thin at wideout coming into this uh, game. But they hit the transfer portal pretty hard. And you know there's going to be some wideouts that are ready to go. James Franklin said, "Man, for that, what stands out to him about Jeff Broman is his offense. Is he's very, very good at pushing the ball down the field, taking deep shots when it's the right time, getting the matchups he wants, and he always finds a quarterback that can put the ball where it needs to be." And the reason I bring it up is, you know, the matchup of Penn, or Purdue's passing offense against Penn State's corners and safeties on the defensive side for Penn State to me. I don't know that the pass rush is necessarily going to get home a lot against a veteran quarterback, but these these coverage guys are going to be put to the test.
0: Yeah, and you know we're expecting Manny Diaz to run a lot of four two five against Purdue offense that, like you said, likes to push the ball downfield. I mean, last year, you know, they ranked 13th in the country uh, with passes of 20 yards or more downfield, and that's you know that's Aiden O'Connell uh, connecting with his receivers. David Bell was a big part of that, 93 catches. Over 1,200 yards last year. I mean, he's in the NFL for a reason. Uh, right now, the Blitnikoff Award finalist. So they don't have him anymore. But yeah, they've got confidence in a couple of Iowa transfers they got in, and it's, it's going to be difficult on Joey Porter Jr. On you know Daquan Hardy in the slot. You know, you look at uh, even at safety. Obviously, uh, you know Jair Brown is back and you know tied the national lead last year with interceptions. But you no, know, Jaquan Brisker. So, yeah. That's that's hard. That's gonna be difficult. I mean, he's out there making plays with Chicago Bears uh, in preseason, having himself a nice uh, really preseason and you don't have him on your back end. And again, like safety combinations are one of those iffy things, especially early in the season. Uh, that it takes time. I mean, Zaki Wheatley seems like the, he's going to be the guy that will start uh, opposite Tig Brown. But at the same time, like even though he is, you know, he was your takeaway king in the spring. He was a takeaway king in fall camp. That's practice. Right. That's not that's not going against Aiden O'Connell and this, you know, Purdue offensive really likes to stress withies in the corner. So it's a different challenge.
1: Yeah. And let's wish Jaquan Brisker. Well, I think he busted his thumb up pretty good. I don't know how much time he's going to miss, but I'm with you. I watched I watched the highlights of his first two games Like he played the they played the Chiefs and somebody else. And he was flying uh, around that field and he was he was getting there in a very bad mood. So hopefully he doesn't miss too much time. But Jaquan Brisker was a standout. When they won at Wisconsin in week one, Arnold Ibaketti was a standout. They don't have him either. So, uh, you know, Franklin keeps talking about the depth and how he feels good about it. and We're back to where we need to be. I don't think he would keep saying that if he didn't really believe it because the team's 11 and 11 and he can't afford. Uh, I mean, he's pulled back on the offensive line, right? He's not going to praise them. So that means they're deep just about everywhere else if he likes the team's depth. I think he must feel good about the defensive ends. I'm not sure about the linebackers. But then again, I don't know how many times we're going to see three on the field. But I think the corners, safeties and the defensive line are really where Penn State's going to have to hang its hat on defense early in the season. Let's get to a couple notes, positional notes. We mentioned Aller is the number two quarterback, which is surprising. Trey Wallace, who you mentioned, is almost he almost considers him a number one. I thought that was interesting. He wouldn't even commit to six receivers. He said we got 5. Malik Mega is the other one to go with uh, the starting 3. So I think they're going to play 5 and the and and the subs will only play when the starters are tired. I think you're going to see a lot of multiple tight end sets cuz they definitely like those guys. I still I still think they need to play better, but he did say Elston is is the guy at middle linebacker even though he said both are going to play. We'll see. Uh, he did break down some of the kicking. He said Jake Pinneger's won the field goal job. Probably not a big surprise. Barney Moore is the punter. I think there was, a, there was some social media about him getting a scholarship, I, obviously, last week. you know, Eli Manning is a guy that's has kind of made the social media circles. He was up at State College. They got to use two different kickoff guys. Um, but I, I also did think that he did talk about Hunter Norzad as being almost like a third starter at, the, at one of the guard spots. That, to me, that means he's probably not going to start, but he's going to play both left guard and right guard. And then Chop Robinson, he feels like he's a starter, even though they're probably going to go with Tarburton. And Adisa Isaac. So get starting to get a, a little bit better of an idea of what Penn State is going to be working with early in the early in the season, early in this game. Anything else for you jump out, whether it was uh something he said, something he didn't say, somebody he didn't really mention. Was there anything for you that really stood out?
0: No, I think the one thing I was gonna mention was the Chop Robinson uh deal with him saying, yes, yeah, starter, basically him playing starter snaps, because you know, I would go back to you know Micah Parsons' first year, right? He didn't he didn't start at linebacker, but he played starter snaps. He you know he was in there a lot. And I know uh, James like likes to defer to his senior sometimes, so you know, you'll see Nick Burton out there at defensive end opposite Adisa Isaac. But chopper, Robinson, after transferring over from Maryland, is going to play a lot of ball for them this year, and he's going to be important. Like you, we talk about, uh, you know, Purdue's offense and not only their ability to push the ball downfield, you know, you want to get in the backfield. And disrupt that. But I asked uh, Franklin today about Purdue's tempo. They, they ran the fifth most plays among FBS teams that played fewer than 14 games. So, you know, the teams that basically didn't make the playoffs or a conference title game, uh, they're, you know, they're churning out plays, you know, and you got to, you got to churn in, you know, you got to rotate your guys in to, uh, to match that. And so you're going to be going into the two, even three deep on the defensive line. Specifically, those boys get tired. Uh, so you're going to see, you know, Chop Robinson. You're going to see, you know, Zane Durant in defensive
1: tackle. You're going to see these guys play. I think earlier in the season, it's a bigger deal, especially in the heat, right? Um, I'm sure it's not even, I'm sure it's not easy to play against the Temple offense when it's cold either. But I, I do think early on, you know, Braum has had the whole summer to game plan for this game in particular. It's a huge game for both teams, really. You don't want to start 0-1 with a loss like this in a toss-up game. Last I looked, Penn State's still favored by about 3.5, which is surprising to me a little bit. But you know what? Uh, we'll we'll see how it plays out. It's a blackout at ross Aid Stadium for whatever, whatever that's worth. I don't even know how many people are going to be at the game. It's not that big of a stadium. But tempo uh, on both sides is going to be a key. I think that – and when you have two sixth-year quarterbacks, man, I, I just – Without getting into any predictions because it's a little early, Johnny. I just feel like one of these guys is going to have to win the game in the final four or five minutes because this is this is kind of why they stuck around. They, they they have to have mastered the offense. I mean, second year, second or third year for uh, you know Aiden in in Brahms' offense, and you know Sean Clifford year two in Mike Yersuch's offense. He's not lacking in skill, position, talent. To me, this does feel like it's going to be a close game. And even if Penn State gets its running game going late in the game, you know, if they're down six or Purdue's down six, one of these guys is going to have to make the play. And the guy that doesn't, you know, it, it's a tough way to start your last season.
0: Yeah. And look, you talk about it being a blackout at ross Stadium. Last time I was there, you know, last time Penn State played at Purdue, it was a rainy crappy day in 2016, and Penn State put up like
1: 62 points, I think. It was actually game until like at late in the third quarter, and they ran off like 30 straight points, and I was like, what just happened? It was, it
0: was a blur, it, and it was the week after the Ohio State upset. I don't think you're going to get 62 to 24, or whatever it was at the time. It's going to be a tight ball game. It's going to be one that goes into the fourth quarter, and like you said, you know, th- these are the opportunities and games that Uh, Sean Clifford came back uh, to play and, and, you know, for his sake, hopefully he stays healthy uh, throughout the entire season. But to be able to open up with this one, a Big Ten game, you know, it's just so important and it really sets a tone. I mean, this game in the Auburn game within your first three games of the year, you you can you can start off three and oh and and you'll be riding a wave, you know, going into Big Ten play. I mean, if you're one and two, it's a completely different story. So uh, this is such a huge game for them.
1: Johnny, one last thing, and I, I always get a kick out of it because I like how he deadpans it. and he, he thinks – have you picked up on the fact that James is not happy that Penn State has opened on the road in Big Ten play? This will be the seventh straight year and 12 – I think it's 11 out of the last 12 or 12 out of the last 13. Have you picked up on the fact he's not real happy about that?
0: Yeah, it's certainly with the number of times he's mentioned it. Uh, certainly you you can tell – he is not happy with it. I mean, he mentioned it in his uh in his opener today uh, at his press conference when I was watching from my couch, uh, you know, you were there out out in Indianapolis for big ten media days. You know, he mentions it in his opening as well there. Uh so yeah, no, I look I don't blame him for not being happy about it. You know, we've we've talked about this a bunch off air too. Uh don't don't blame him at all.
1: But yeah, he is uh no, he's not pleased. I will say this. They have, especially the last three years. They've it's not only has it been the Big Ten opener, it's been the season opener. They they lost that incredible game at Indiana uh, in 2020. That I mean, they they had them, they had them in regulation, and somehow they let them off the hook. Then last year they they, they did win at Wisconsin. Now they got to go. Now they got to go uh, to Purdue. Of all those of those three venues, though, I mean, if you're going to open on the road in Big Ten play, I know Purdue is a good team that won nine games last year. But it's still, I think. I think facing the Wisconsin defense in Week One maybe is, and that running game is a little bit more formidable uh, of an environment than Purdue. But it, it's this one is for other reasons. This is a challenging, challenging matchup. And and the other thing I, I just want to say before we get, re- and you probably want to chime in as well. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see Manny Diaz match wits with Jeff Brom because I do think. As 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 big of a test as, as it is for for Penn State because it's Jeff Brom and he 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 gets more, he seems like he gets more out of his talent than maybe any team on offense in the Big Ten. I think not knowing what Manny Diaz is going to do with the kind of athletes that Penn State has that could probably be a little bit daunting. I think for, for Purdue as well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Jeff Brom is such a creative guy on the offensive end. So to see Manny Diaz, you know, match wits with him and, you know, this is, again, this is Manny Diaz's first game as defensive coordinator at Penn State. He's going to be on the sidelines making the calls. Uh, Is Penn State going to have a turnover chain of some sort? You know, they're going to do something fun on the sidelines if they pick off Aiden O'Connell. You
1: know, something we'll have to keep an eye on. Fair. Knowing James Franklin just a little bit, I would be well, I was stunned today, Johnny, with the with the Drew Allen noise. So I'm just going to shut up. For all I know, maybe they do have. Maybe they're going to let the kids just they're going to they're going to turn it loose this year and they're going to let them have fun with something that's similar to the turnover chain. But boy, that would be something to see uh, from a James Franklin coach team. He's really big about no showboating and all that other stuff. But I don't know. He already he has already shocked me once with his uh, backup quarterback reveal. So who knows what's coming uh, on Thursday? But. Johnny and I will be out in at ross Stadium, West Lafayette, joined by, as always, Dave Jones, Joe Hermit. Hopefully our travel will go okay, but I'm really excited about Thursday night, 8 o'clock, Fox. I think it's Gus Johnson, so that's even another another thing Penn State fans can look forward to. And Johnny, I know you're excited as well.
0: I can't wait. I really can't wait. And uh, yeah, Thursday night, when I go back and rewatch the game and hear Gus Johnson on the call, it's always, you know, it's always a signal that college football is back. But when you hear Gus Johnson yelling and screaming about a second and six carry for four yards, it's gonna be great. Yeah. All right, Penn
1: State fans, we will be back after the game to uh, share our thoughts, but I hope you enjoy it. Uh, We've enjoyed our Monday morning with James Franklin. So we look forward to talking with you all season. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Pen Live.